Hello and welcome to the Institute of World Mission podcast. One of the dimensions of missionary life is membership and service in one or several multicultural teams. The teams we are part of can include other missionaries, maybe their family members, definitely local leaders, pastors, and members. We can belong to several teams at the same time, in fact, one in the local church, one immediately at work, and maybe another one related to any kind of project you're a part of. If you are a member of institutional boards and committees within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, you get to see different compositions of groups of people dealing with each other over time, right? But if experience teaches us anything, we all know that teams are both amazing, full of potential, and at the same time, that potential is often elusive. Now, why is that? Why is there so much potential and it is so hard to achieve? You know what? This paradox is even more true about multicultural teams. They hold even more potential and there are significantly more pitfalls for failure associated with multicultural teams. Now, today's interview is the second in a series on missionaries and multicultural teams. The very first one is episode number 26, quite a while ago. You'll find the link to that episode in the show notes, so it will be easier for you to reach it just one click away. Our guest today is Ronald Kuhn, Associate Director of the Institute of World Mission, a very dear colleague of mine. Ron has rich missions and institutional background. He served cross-culturally in multiple countries and most continents. And I get to press Ron just a little bit in the interview to share more of his past experiences. So, together with you, let me welcome Ron into this conversation. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Ron, welcome to the Institute of World Mission Podcast. Thank you, Alex. It's good to be back with you again. All right. We are continuing a series on multicultural teams. And today is the second time. What we'll be talking about is the challenge of multicultural teams. We'll describe the challenge together. You will be describing the challenge. So my first question is this. Multicultural teams, they involve so much effort. They're not easy. They are difficult. In fact, many people, they feel that it's just too hard. It's, doesn't, it's not worth the effort. So my question is straightforward. What is the promise of multicultural teams? Why should we hold on to them? Well, um, it, is, it is a very nice question. Is there a promise for working together as a team, but especially multicultural team? Yes, it is... Um, it is very rewarding if we can work together, if we are willing to learn. The research and experience confirm that it can be a tremendous success. People can really um, excel far more than they imagined that they would when they work with others. 
but they can also experience serious conflict. Yeah, it is. It is the. It is this two sides, almost like the challenge. Sometimes it's. It appears it's overwhelming, but it is actually a very rewarding thing if people can work together. It's amazing that people will only believe if they really start crossing. As uh, Hudson, the great missionary, said, the mission is impossible. But then you start working and the mission becomes difficult. And then the mission is done. Similar to the team building or multicultural teams, it is sometimes impossible because of the difference in values, difference in culture, personalities, difference in in styles of leadership, all kinds of ways, communication, uh, all these this aspects of the diversity of different cultures. But if people are patient, they can actually achieve far more together than they will ever be able to achieve individually. That is so true. Our reality for missionaries, for Adventist missionaries, is such that uh, we cannot escape multicultural teams. Uh, just the nature of our ministry, of our mission, we go to another place, to a different country, and by default, we are part of a multicultural team one way or another. So, Ron, what are some of the essential things that we need to begin with to build those multicultural teams that we all strive for? Where do we begin in this? Well, um, there are many ways and reasons why, why, why work as a team. One is that it's probably one of the best environments for you to learn because teams who are really committed, people will be open to speak. So you will start learning as you listen and you will take perspective. So to build effective teams, multicultural teams, people need to come with a certain attitude, I would say, of humility. I'm, I'm coming to the table to contribute. I am not the only expert. Actually, that's uh, it defeats the idea of competition. It is not competing, it's collaborating. And, uh, and so you need to come with a spirit of humility. You need to come with the spirit of learning. And you need to come knowing that in order to, to complete this, let's, let's think about a big pie. It will only be a big pie if all the pieces come together like a triangle. And think about, let's say, a, a pie. Let's think about 10 people working together. It is 10 pieces of that pie. Your piece is important, but it, there will be no completed pie if the others don't put their, their share as well. So the, the interesting thing is we all come with our skills and talents, but there, it will only be complete and work as a team when everybody is willing to share their talents and learn from each other. Actually, you will learn that you have more talents than you imagine. So quite often people start by going slowly, and uh, but they actually can perform. It's amazing. Think about the, 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 the example of Jesus when he calls 12, and uh, actually he calls 11. There was one that offered himself and was very talented. Why the one that was very talented and which he offered himself failed? 
because he wasn't part of the main goal of the team. He had self-interests. So when Jesus called all those people that to some, some eyes, they were not the most qualified, but Jesus saw skills that will turn them into a very effective team. They were willing to learn. They were willing to share. They were willing to also accept their mistakes. They were willing to forgive. They were willing to, to uplift and pray for one another. So there is a lot of blessings in working together. We learn more about ourselves, especially if you are a, a multicultural team. You learn new things you never imagined before. So to build an effective team, you have to have a purpose. You have to have a goal. And you have to have a leader. Somebody has to inspire and has to spark and even invite. So sometimes the leader is not the one who's going to do everything, but is the one who may plant a seed that said, hey, why don't we do this? We can do it together. I cannot do it myself, but I could count on you. So when all, when everybody believes in that vision, in that kind of goal, and follow and, and, and participate, they can actually achieve. And Jesus knew that. He chose 12. And actually, before he left, the longest prayer that he prayed is for unity of that team, because he knew the potential of working together. Can you imagine uh, the potential of people with different skills, different talents uh, coming together, let's say, to build something? If you think about... Uh, the body God put together this we can use this metaphor that God put together so many pieces to develop uh, work out this thing that uh, we we have the the brain the hands the foot and and can you imagine how many things the body can do together when it's all led by let's say balanced thought and actions and uh, and a purpose. The brain, the hands, the lungs, the nose cannot do anything without a purpose, without a, a direction. Where do we go? What do we do with all these things? So the same with people. People have skills that they don't know it could put together for the, the better use when they are together in a team. Thank you, Ron. Now, this whole series, you and I, we envision it. Uh, a number of episodes to actually go deeper into the dynamics that teams in general face, even monocultural teams, but especially multicultural teams, because there is a whole additional layer of complexity that comes into the picture when people from different cultures are having to work together. Today, we are talking about the challenge, and you mentioned several things. So if you don't mind, let me just quickly review some of the things you mentioned, and then let's take them one by one. So you mentioned that the challenges come from communication, from conflict, and from leadership, you know, from leadership styles, how the team is organized and led. Let's take these three one by one, if you would be willing to comment. So speaking of the challenge, what kind of communication challenge do we see in multicultural teams? Well, the communication aspect is uh, is huge. Communication is not what I say, but is what you understand of what I said. But the problem is there is the perception of communication. I perceived I communicated something to you, but let's say that 
in your culture, you perceive me as my as your superior, just as an example, and or age or seniority of many things. So you do not give me a feedback. You keep quiet. So I thought I communicated something, but you understood something else. And then because of so many filters in this communication, I don't really know that you got, I may, I may think you got, but you may haven't got. And so there is not only the aspect of the idea, the intention of the idea, there is a, the aspect also of different languages. So when people come together and try to, let's say that one comes uh, together to work as a multicultural team from, let's say, China, the other one from uh, Argentina, the other one's from Kenya, and they may need to use a third language. So you see, there are so many things that lost in the in that aspect of communication. So, so there are many di dimensions. As you can see, there are many dimensions of communication which we are just beginning to tap. So one needs to pay attention to that, and one needs to lower the guard, go slowly, and ask for feedback. Thank you. So as we are kind of investing ourselves into this series, I think it strikes a big chord in our listeners' hearts because we all go through these difficulties. Sometimes we don't know what's going on, what's happening, why is, why is it so difficult, why is it so weird or strange? How come we are not able to gel together as easily as we were able back home, right? Many missionaries are very talented people and um, back home in their own country, they were, you know, bright, they were very able, but now in a foreign country, they just may feel a little bit lost. How come it doesn't work like it worked before? So describing the challenge, communication is, is one big thing, and we will be uh, discovering uh, more meat going into this deeper with you in the future on. Second one that you mentioned is conflict. If you can just paint the challenge of conflict for multicultural teams for us. Well, um, let's say that cross-cultural communication is not just a challenge for other cultures, it's a challenge in our own culture with our own language because there is all kinds of things uh, that sometimes people don't have the same framework of reference. What is the real issue? In my mind, it could be something, in your mind could be something else. So, so it's, it starts with this different perception or how do I perceive the issue? You'd see that seed for conflict there. When we perceive things different, and we're trying now to communicate, then there is that uneasy feeling that something is not right. Or maybe there is, the conflict is not just about communication. It can be about the objectives, the goals. There is all, let, let's say that we have five or 10 people working in a team and the goal and the objectives are not very clear. So some people are in one direction, some people are going in the other direction. And so we... We may have this disconnection of, uh, of goals and objectives. So imagine when there is uh, different cultures, uh, when things are put together from uh, people from different values. So you, you have many, many dimensions of this aspect. So expectations, miscommunication, 
the values in, in things and also the objectives and goals. If people are not very, very sincere and if they are not working together, remember the work team supposed to work together. And the example I gave of Jesus um, choosing 11 and one offer himself, he was very talented, but his goals were different than the goals of uh, the master and the team. And so he ended up in the end with a terrible conflict. And he chose a greater, a greater conflict uh, to, final, to finalize his plan. You know, he betrayed his own master. So you see how many things can go wrong in a team. So it's very important that people work together in unity, common goals, is that they understand each other, each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses. Thank you, Ron. Um, there is a whole field in social science uh, in intercultural communication. It's a subfield which is intercultural conflict or cross-cultural conflict. Uh, it's fascinating how uh, different people um, manage conflict, how they try to resolve conflict. They approach this issue differently. And if I feel that I'm right and the and you are wrong, right? So you have to make up with me, but you're doing and you're doing it, right? You also feel so, but you're doing it in your cultural way, and I don't perceive as you are actually doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? So what works in our own cultures most of the time just does not work in managing conflict, in understanding conflict, does not work with people multicultural teams. So we will try, you and I will try to bring best research and best insight in the future. Again, I feel that missionaries, teams experience this constantly. And I'm very excited, Ron, about this series. I know that you have worked on many, many, many teams throughout your um, missionary career. If you could share just a little bit the scope of countries and teams and uh, different kinds of work that you've done in your many years of work so that we kind of get a little bit of your background in this area. Yes, um, it's um, it's interesting. Some cultures are very upfront, very direct. Uh, some cultures are very indirect. Even when you have, uh, let's say, official members, uh, let's say in a formal team, not just a, uh, let's say, a spontaneous team that comes together to do something out of a volunteer kind of uh, um, intention. But when you have teams that are established, let's say an ADCOM team, they, even though they are, they are supposed to, to, let's say, to express their opinion, etc., etc., when, when they sit together, it's very interesting. Different cultures will not speak and will not express their opinion if it is a touchy or maybe a potential area of uh, stress, let's use this word, they will be quiet. But then there is a way to deal with that, you know, uh, uh, alone with them on a more individual basis. They will express their opinion, but they will not do it uh, together in front of everybody. They, there is the respect, the saving face, the indirect and the age status, all these things that some cultures don't see it uh, playing into that. For example, one of the greatest area of conflict in the formal established team groups or 
team meetings, I, I would say administrative committees, let's, let's use that as an example. One of the great areas of conflict is people trying to undermine, I will, I will use the word, they try sometimes to undermine leadership by expressing their discontent with decisions that have been taken. So let's, let me be very, very straight with one, one example here. One time I arrived in a, in a country and I noticed that after ADCOM, people would comment or I heard that people would comment that they didn't agree with this or that when, when the staff, other, others were, were asking or challenging, but why was this decision? Then they want to look good in front of the eyes of the other colleagues and they say, well, I was there, but I didn't agree. So, this can cause tremendous conflict to a team. And uh, we came to a point one time to say that, listen, during the meeting, everybody is free to express whatever they want to say. But after we take a decision based on the, on the consensus and of the majority, we all have to support it. Because if we give dif different messages outside, almost like, we, yeah, I was there, but I didn't agree. It's like, well, we are tearing apart the, the whole purpose of the, of the team is to discuss, to bring consensus, to come together and implement things together. Then we go and tear each other apart. So that's the, the greatest disfavor we can do it to a team um, morale, unity, cohesion, and, uh, and the chances to succeed. So it came to a point in one case where I said... Uh, if we disagree outside of the meeting, we have no right to be members of the team. We have all the possibility to disagree to, uh, during the team meeting. Of course, it has to do a lot. It has to do with the, the team leader. If the leader allows, if the leader is very dictatorial and is bullying everybody, sort of speaking, then of course people will be very discontent. But when there is freedom, when there is uh, op op opening, an open attitude to talk at the meeting or individually, and people still go out and undermine their own committees, that is the end of the morale of that very team that was supposed to, to provide leadership to others. So very true. And by what you just said right now, Ron, you've covered the third point that we've kind of announced. We've covered challenges in communication, challenges in conflict, and also challenges in leadership styles, because that impacts the team so much. But let me just push it just a little bit more around. I know you don't like talking about yourself, but could you just share a little bit, at least how many countries you worked in? Uh, what's the total number, if you count? I think it's about 10 now. <laughs> Altogether 10 countries? Yes. And how, how many years uh, have you had now in your professional career? Oh, I started um, in 1985. So 20, that's about 35 years. Can you name those countries so that we kind of get a little bit background in terms of cross-cultural experiences that you've had? Oh, the first one was Rwanda as a volunteer, student missionary. Second one was Sudan, the project director. Then um, Mozambique, a project director. Angola, country director. Then back to Sudan as a country director. On the way to Sudan, waiting for my visa, I helped in Somalia during the crisis there in the, in the early 90s. 
and um, for three months assisting the, the emergency program in Adra, Somalia, then um, back to Sudan, after Sudan, four years, back to South America, Bolivia, Peru, South America Division in Brasilia, then uh, for the regional office based in Thailand for ADRA, Asia uh, regional office, then ADRA Canada, and then now um, eight years at the Institute of World Mission with you, Alex. <laughs> yes, well, uh, the reason I'm asking is because uh, what you just covered, every single place involved a multicultural team. There have been people with different cultures on those teams. So the reason I'm so excited about doing this together on is because missionaries do experience conflict. Cross-cultural teams are difficult. But like you said right in the beginning, the Lord had ordained it this way. That's his way of mission, and we have to learn how to do them right. So we will, you and I are committing to do a lot of hard work in bringing the best research, and not just research, the best biblical insights as well, so that we can submit, you know, some good practice to um, to our audience, to those who are listening, because we believe that that can, um, that can make uh, teams better, that can um, help people uh, maybe gain some skills and competencies and, uh, and do things differently. My last question today is this. What happens if a team fails? What actually happens? Because we don't want that, but let's, let's kind of see the bad in it. What if we fail? What's the cost of that? Yeah, teams can fail. Sometimes the project can fail. Um, but I, I would say the following. If we have enough humidity, we will learn in all situations. We will learn on what not to do the next time. We will learn on how to approach issues differently. Teams can fail, projects can fail, because sometimes for many reasons, um, let's say that the expected resources didn't come up for the implementation of a project, or the leadership has changed, or the goals have, have changed, or there are many reasons why projects or teams fail but one thing is important that we can learn throughout those uh, those experiences. We can learn um, how to to do better next time. We can learn what not to do, and we can grow throughout this process. You know, I I look back in my own experience. Um, you know, I I grew out of uh, sometimes stumbling, and if I would go back now, I would probably have a different attitude and will have a different approach to certain things that are different. And I only learn by sometimes knocking the head on the wall. And so we, we have to sometimes be kind to ourselves too. And, um, and if you remember the model and the example of Jesus, when they came together, they they made many mistakes. The Bible doesn't brush away the, the flaws of many of the disciples and their lack of faith. They, at one point, they even abandoned their, their master, their, their leader. So, But they were humble enough to accept responsibility, to ask forgiveness, and uh, and they eventually follow the the lead again. So yes, we we don't have perfect uh, teams in the world because 
they are not made of per perfect people. But we don't have perfect people. And so it, there needs to be a humility and a humble attitude to, to accept responsibility on your part, but also to, to also accept that sometimes not everybody is moving the same direction. Sometimes you have to stop the the plan or the, the project uh, and then recommit yourself maybe to another team. So it is, uh, even in the Bible, we find those examples. Sometimes they didn't work together. They had to separate to split the team and then become another strong team in a different context. So, you know, we have to be kind to ourselves, kind to others. Thank you. Our goal is that we collaborate with the Holy Spirit to have the competency to understand what happens in multicultural teams and, uh, and try to grow to, um, again, to give space to our Lord to help our teams succeed. But then, of course, everything is in his hands and uh, even some of those failures he can turn around for, um, for future um, blessings that he has in store for us. Ron, thank you very much. I, I don't often do this, but today I feel impressed too because this is such a crucial topic that is really maybe tearing somebody's life right now. This conflict and misunderstandings and all of this. I'd like to ask you to pray for missionaries and for the teams that they work on. If you would be willing to offer this prayer after you say, Amen, that will be the end of this interview. So please. Thank you, Alex. Let's pray. Lord, our God, we thank you for the opportunity to learn together. We are not perfect. We will make mistakes, but we ask you to guide us. Lead us, give us a humble spirit, a learning spirit. Also give us the ability, Lord, to, to pray for one another, even those we don't agree with, that we might see sometimes that the, the problem is on ourselves and not, not in others. Give us that discernment, Lord, to, to find ways um, to grow together and to be a blessing to one another. As we inspire and uplift one another, we will see many fruits for your kingdom. I ask you to bless uh, our colleagues, the missionaries all over the world, that they may have the spirit of Jesus to, to forgive, to accept, to be patient, and to work for a greater goal, not for our own goals, not for our plans, but for your plans, your message, for your mission to reflect kindness and the service, the unselfish service of Jesus Christ. Because in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, friends, we've reached the very last part of this episode. We trust deeply that you feel our Lord Jesus is very close to you, especially now in this time of global crisis associated with the pandemic. We're praying for you, and we trust you're keeping healthy. All right? Thank you, by the way, for joining in as a listener. Always feel free to contribute, make suggestions, provide feedback. You can easily reach me at otta at gc.adventist.org. So this is my email. Let me quickly repeat it otta at gc.adventist.org. So, 
Make sure you are a subscriber of the IWM podcast. We want these episodes to reach you effortlessly, and we hope that uh, that's the case. My name is Alex Ott, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next Wednesday. Thank you.